This episode of the Haunted Road Trip Show is brought to you by Evidential Medium, Tracy St. Croix. Are you ready to find solution, acceptance, and closure for the traumas and hurts you experience in this world? Visit www.tracystcroixmedium.com and discover how an Arthur Finley College of Psychic Sciences trained evidential medium can provide life-changing experiences by connecting deceased loved ones with friends and family to achieve peace and closure. Welcome to the Haunted Road Trip Show, where we bring you powerful conversations, insights, and exciting site investigations that reveal the paranormal world in a way you've never seen before, up until now. Tune in and become part of a community that enjoys the thrill of finding out what the paranormal world wants to teach you and solve the issues. Be sure to visit our website at www.hauntedroadtripsshow.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, prepare to have your thirst for curiosity satisfied as you enjoy ghost stories, haunted house stories, and more. Recording in progress. Well, hello there, lovely. How are you? Hello, Tracy. I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm good. Everybody, he has almost the same name as me. So when you look at it, you think it's yes. yes. Trace Tracy. Trace Tracy. Yes, Trace and Tracy. <laughs> we can't go anywhere together. They'll never know who we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, welcome to the Haunted Road Trips show edition of more spooky stories and, and ghostly happenings and coming from, you know, the mouths of the people who have actually experienced them. And so mm-hmm. tell us um, a little bit about who you are. Introduce yourself to the audience and let them Okay. Know. Yeah, well, my name is Trace Bolton. I'm an intuitive consultant and a coach and a spiritual advisor. Uh, in that, I work as a psychic medium for folks as well. So I talk to dead people on the regular. And, um, you know, I got into all of this. It's really been my entire life. I kind of didn't have a choice. Like I could be doing other things, but I would always also be doing um, these other things because they're just a part of my life. It's just things that also happen to me um, that, uh, that I just couldn't ignore. And so this has always been a part of my life. And I, I love talking about ghosts and spirits in the afterlife with people because I've had such real experiences. So many other people have had such real experiences. And I still think that the jury is out on what all of it actually means. And so one of the things that I love about it is that it just opens up so much mystery, even for people like me who talk to dead people on the regular. There's still so much mystery behind that for me. Yes. It's like when I tell people, I'm like, it's literally a whole new world. Like, yes, we, we here in this physical realm, like we're gathering, you know, quote, scientific evidence and things like that. But, you know, that's like a whole nother frontier. And we're probably, you know, never going to know exactly until we kind of, until we kind of get there. 
I mean, that's the way it is for me. You know, I kind of laugh because they give me a, you're a medium too, Tracy. And so like, you know, an evidential medium. And so they give you these like extremely specific pieces of information for the person you're reading for that like you just couldn't come up with in a million years. And then I kind of ask them about what it's like over there. And all of a sudden it just gets very impressionistic and artistic and vague and ethereal and like no specific concreteness, even though I literally just told them the name of their grandson or something like that you know what I mean and so and so it's just it's so fascinating to me it's like there's definitely a little bit of a wink wink nudge nudge about like you gotta wait and see going on I do I'm convinced they they had to sign like an NDA like if you're yeah <laughs> yeah cosmic NDA for sure <laughs> yeah, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can only tell them so much all right before we'll <laughs> before you get booted off the island or something yeah, <laughs> yeah. something crazy like that and you know, um, I've known I've known Trace for a while. We've we've done quite a few metaphysical shows and metaphysical fairs together. Um, and when he gracefully accepted the invite to come onto the show, I learned some pretty cool things about him that we have in common. One, we both have three cats that were constantly. How did you put it? Um, Cat politics. Um, Jeez, Louise! If anybody territory has- battles, <laughs> all in the halls. Yes, and that also all the houses that you lived in when you were growing up were haunted. Yes, they were. I mean, some of them definitely had activity. The ones, though, I can't say that all of them had activity that I could locate, but every house had somebody that just died in it. Some of them had activity afterwards, but all of them we bought after somebody died in it. And you knew that, like, when you bought the house? I think my parents got a deal on it, and so, yeah, they knew. Yeah. (laughs) That's like my dad. He bought the house and the graveyard was in the backyard because he said he knew the neighbors would be quiet and that nobody ever robbed a house next to a graveyard. I mean, maybe he would. He probably wasn't wrong. <laughs> okay, so so I w- I want to know. I want to know, like, what was your first experience that you can remember to be like, hmm? That's interesting. Or like even as a child, did you have like imaginary friends that like you now know were Oh yeah. Imaginary. Well, one of the earliest experiences that I had that uh really shocked my parents was when I was about five years old and I I mean, I guess I was too young to even really identify it as an imaginary friend, but I just knew that there was a girl in the room with me playing, and she told me that she was my sister. And so I would play with my sister in my room, and eventually it got, I didn't say anything to my parents about it for a while, but then eventually it got to the point where I went up to them and I was like, hey, where's my little sister? Like, I want to play with her for real. Where's my little sister? And they were like, uh, you don't have a little sister, Trace, and uh, we're not going to have any more kids, we don't think. And, uh, you, you know, so, like, they were like, no, I don't know about your, your little sister. It got to the point where that Christmas I sat on Santa's lap at the mall and asked for my baby sister. And he just looked at my parents, of course, kind of like, can't get that out of my bag, right? And so... <laughs> 
kid. <laughs> yeah, and so I kind of looked at my parents, and that was a big joke for a while, but literally, I guess it had to be four or five months later without meaning to it all. From what I understand, my mom got pregnant, and next year I had my baby sister. So you were actually playing with the soul of your sister before she was incarnated. And then you yes. were the intuitive to let your parents know. And they were like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, I mean, it didn't seem odd to me. Like, I didn't understand, like, why other people weren't getting the fact that, like, I already met my sister, so, like, where is she? You know? <laughs> oh, so, um, okay, I have questions. Okay. So, did she tell you her name or anything like that? And, like, what does she think of that now? Like, what does your sister think of that now? Like, Well, no, she didn't tell me her name. Um, I didn't even think to really even ask for her name, to be perfectly honest with you at the time. It just all seemed so normal. to be. I mean, like, I don't know. It didn't, I didn't even think anything of it, really, um, other than I wanted her to be there in the flesh, so to speak, like for real. And today, I mean, like she thinks it's a, she thinks it's a cool story. My sister and I, we have a great relationship. She is not in the woo-woo world like I am. She's open to it, but like, I'm definitely the, the psychedelic multicolored sheep of the family. Right. And so, (laughs) and so she's very cool with it. She's open to it. She knows what I do and we talk about it and everything, but, um, she just kind of thinks it's a cool story. Like how, how old were you when this happened? Well, I had to be like five because I think it took almost another year before my mom got pregnant. My sister and I are six years apart. So I had to be about five years old, maybe even just five years old when that started to happen. Wow. Yeah. I mean, kids are still very, very in tune at, at five years old. And it was just it was just so obvious to me. And I did have, you know, other quote unquote imaginary friends that I did later on discover were guides of mine that it was just like, and once I, and I I really actually forgot about them until I met them as guides. And then all of a sudden I remembered them being there when I was a little kid, like shocking memories almost as an adult. When I discovered that I was like, Oh my God, that was you. It was just so um, amazing. And uh, I had lots of experiences like that as a kid, Uh, A longer story, like if you fast forward to fourth grade, um, and I'll jump back a little bit to talk about some of the haunted places I was at. But in fourth grade, I used to walk to school every day with my next door neighbor. And on the way to school, I would uh, predict things that were going to happen that day. I didn't even realize entirely what I was doing, but I would tell her if it was going to rain that day when it didn't say it was going to rain, if we were going to pop quizzes, if somebody was going to say something, if this thing was going to happen. And I would just sort of like let my mind wander and just share with her what I was noticing on the way to, on the way to school. And one year I told her, we lived in San Antonio, Texas. And one year I told her it was going to snow on Christmas that year. It came to me when we were walking to school and it doesn't if if you're not from san antonio texas it does not often snow on christmas in san antonio texas that is a very rare event and so it wasn't something that i could just like guess at and 
To make a very long story short, she ended up going down to a radio station with her brownie troop to do some service project or something around the holidays. And the radio DJ overheard her telling the other brownie friends that I said it was going to snow on Christmas. And I'm always right when I tell her what's going to happen on the way to school in the morning. And he tracked me down via landline, got me on the air as a fourth grader to make the prediction that it would snow in San Antonio on Christmas that year. And it did, like five flakes, but just like a little bit. It snowed a little bit on Christmas in San Antonio that year. And so he worked out a deal with my parents, and I came back on the radio three days a week for the next five years, intuitively predicting the weather. I had my own segment called Kids Eye View. Stop it. Do you have those recordings? Oh, my God. That's amazing. Isn't it? No, I don't have the recordings, unfortunately, of the radio show, but... Fast forward again many years later, I think this all developed in 2019, 2020. I shared this story with a friend of mine who's a local playwright, and next thing you know, she was like, Trace, I produced a 10-minute musical about you predicting the weather, and it's being performed by actors in Chicago. Do you want to come for the premiere and watch it at my house? And so there's like musical scores of me looking out the window and predicting the weather and like everything else now, too. Yeah. Wow. And now you're doing podcasts. And now I'm on the podcast. Yeah. So I've had interesting things like that kind of follow me around my whole life where I'm like, I didn't even realize what I was doing. And then all of a sudden somebody was like, whoa, what are you doing? Right. And like being very interested in that. Um, I've noticed that like, I have to like be very well aware of who I'm around because sometimes I just start talking and then like, blah, 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 blah. Things come out and I'm like, oh, ooh, 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 what are you doing? Be quiet. Yeah. You know, like just random things that I'm like, oh, better not say that. I don't know them. I know it. <laughs> I know it. It's such a it's such a natural state to people who are intuitive, who are empathic, and mostly for for those that I've found who are very comfortable with their abilities. Like they're very much like, no, this is a part of me, just like. You know, you have blue eyes and you have brown hair. Mm -hmm. Very much like, yeah, this is us. Well, and I really think, I really, truly, truly, after doing this for so long and living the kind of life that I have, I really, truly believe that everybody's intuitive. I truly believe that everybody's empathic. I think it's just a natural part of what it means to be alive. I think it's just a natural part of consciousness. And so... You know, for a lot of people, some people it's easier to repress than others, but it doesn't mean that that information is not there and baked into everything else that they're doing in their mind, right? It's just as being used in kind of this subconscious, subliminal way, uh, but without skill. And that's where it can become sometimes a problem for people who maybe are more talented in that area, so on and so forth. But yeah, it's been my experience that, like, I mean, I'm, I'm even thinking back to one of the earliest haunted houses that I lived in with my family. You must talk about your haunted houses. Well, I, yeah. I had that problem, too. I couldn't figure out why my parents kept throwing me into those situations. Well, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, I maybe, maybe it was just perfectly suited for it because I have always been... Uh, Halloween's been my favorite holiday since I was about four or five. You know, I like... It's really funny because in my work and in my whatever, I, I don't I don't go very spooky in mediumship. I don't go very spooky in the psychic work that I do. Right to me, it is very natural. It's very um, regular, sort of for me. Right, uh, but I love the spooky stuff too. I love Halloween. I love ghosts. I love all of that sort of a thing. 
And so maybe I was just perfectly suited for it. But one of the earliest haunted houses we lived in, uh, I guess the guy who's na- who, who died in the house before we moved in, his name was Greg. And it, it's funny because later on, there's another dead person whose name is Gary. And that's a more dramatic story. But so... I hear all the dramatics, darling. All of them. <laughs> but so, Greg, I, I mean, like, in my mom, she really was the one who taught me to, like, accept it without really ever going there with me meaning that like uh, pictures would change in the house overnight and she'd be like oh that must have been greg or like all of a sudden like all the pots would fall out of the thing and she'd be like oh that must have been greg and so i just grew up that it was normal to have a ghost in the house that would just like mess with things every once in a while and mom just goes oh shucks and that's what you do right like that was just like life You get to live with something that you can't see necessarily with your naked eyes. Right. And I don't know. It never, it never scared me. I never worried about it. Uh, It just, it was just, it almost kind of felt like having a, somebody watching over you a little bit. I never interacted with that particular ghost, that particular being. So I never really had a direct experience other than like things happening around the house when nobody was looking. That happened a few times um, that I could remember. But I never had a direct encounter with him either. So I, I don't know. I was just never scared of it. And I guess it was really my mom modeling, too. She was like, oh, yeah, that's weird. That's the ghost. Oh, well, thanks, Greg. I see you're around. Moving on. Let's go play in the backyard. Go jump on the trampoline. Like, so it was just normalized. You know? <laughs> wow. Well, did you ever, like, in any of the houses, did you ever have, like, communication with one of the spirits? Were you ever- Yes. That was in high school. That was that was one of the ones that uh, really pushed it over the edge for me from, am I experiencing this inside of my mind or is this something that's happening outside of my mind? And I was already practicing psychic development as a teenager. I was already a Reiki 3 by the time I was 17, okay? I used to... I used to ride my bike when I was 14 years old to psychic fairs to go meet other psychics so they could tell me what I was doing. Okay, so like I've been I I've been in this world for a very long time and so I was already practicing a lot of spiritual practices, psychic development, psychic protection, all those kinds of things by the time I was a teenager and uh we knew that somebody had just died in the house that we were moving into or had died since the last time somebody had lived in it. And it was actually a distant family member of my father's. And um, we moved in and like, you know, there was this strange phenomena again that I'd gotten used to in all the houses and mom like, oh, you're moving pictures again, Gary. You know what I mean? And so like that stuff would happen. TV's turning on, radio's turning on, pictures tilting, You know, that kind of a thing. And so, like, that never really bothered me. That was normal. But the strange part was, is that every time I had two closets in my room, and every time the closet on the left-hand side was open, we had two dogs at the time, and they would come into my room, and they would sit right in front of it and just stare in the closet. Not to the right closet, just the left closet, and just stare at it like there was something in there. And I was like, okay, that's strange. And like, again, we already knew there was kind of a ghost in the house, right? And so I was like, gosh, I wonder if the ghost is in my room. And like, I couldn't really tell anything or sense anything. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put a big bubble of light around my room. And I'm going to make it to where it's just like, listen, I'm doing my spiritual work in here, my spiritual practice, my psychic development. 
This isn't saying you have to go away. You just can't be in my room because I'm doing this. And I don't know how you're going to influence that. So you can be in the rest of the house, but you can't be in my room anymore. Well, that night I went to sleep and I had a uh, involuntary out-of-body experience. And I don't know how, I don't, I don't really know how to tell you the mechanics of this, but basically what happened is I got picked up out of my bed, thrown on the floor, held down, looking out my window, and I could see an image of a man with like shoulder length, dark curly hair, like fading in and out, like he was trying to get in through my window, like this over and over and over again. Oh, freaky. Right? And so I woke up the next day and I was like, and I knew the guy's name, my dad's relative, distant cousin, his name was Gary, and I was like, Hey, where did Gary die in the house? And he was like, oh, uh, it was in your bedroom. And I was like, oh, my God, did Gary look like this? Do you have shoulder-length black hair? And he was like, how did you know that? And I was like, I had a dream about Gary last night, right? And I was like, oh, my God. And so, you know, I was just like, I don't even know what to do about this. And so I left it for about another week. And then I was brushing my teeth one night, and there was a loud audible audible clear as anybody's doing it out loud groan that came from my kitchen just like that kind of a thing came from my kitchen i was like did i just make that up i was brushing my teeth i was like did i just make it up and then it happened again and the dog that we had in the kitchen we had her closed in there started beating against the doors and barking and i was like oh my god somebody's broken into our house somebody's in our kitchen i went and got a bat and i walked out there and i woke up my dad And just like, I was like, what's going on? And there was nobody in the kitchen. And my dad was like, oh, I thought I heard something too. And I was like, okay, this is Gary. This is Gary. This is Gary. He wants to back into his room. I don't know what to do next. Fortunately, I already had a teacher at the time. So I called her and I was like, what's going on? And she was like, well, let him back in your room and talk to him. And so I did, you know, I was like, okay, you can come in here. Just know that this is also my room now too. And I'm going to be doing this kind of stuff. And I can't have you influencing that. You know, I was worried about weird energy or whatever. And I just started a practice of every night talking to Gary and letting him know that like, I know this used to be your room, but this doesn't have to be where you live anymore. And there's better places for you now. And that this life, no one's waiting for you anymore. And just like on it. And I just kept having these conversations before I'd go to sleep at night. And eventually Gary just, went away so maybe he just needed some like spiritual counseling i 100% think that he just needed to be seen he just needed to be seen he needed to be heard he needed to be told that he belonged where that he just belonged right like maybe he actually didn't belong in my room for the rest of time but he was there because he wanted to be someplace that he felt like he was safe and belonged and maybe the last time he remembered being in a physical body Correct. That was also a big part of it. And that was what really began my journey of looking at hauntings, ghosts, some people call them earthbound spirits, as really being uh, no different than a symptom or even a product of trauma. Yeah. And that's how I do a lot of my on-site investigations is through, uh, you know, what what is your motive for here? What What are your whys? Why are you here? Yeah. You know, um, and and it's so interesting how it will mirror a lot of either the owners, things that are going on with the owners or the property. It's, it's so interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I'm like, well, you can stay or you can go, but it's up to them. <laughs> but I really treat, and that's, and that's why I say, you know, for the on-site investigations, it's about allowing, you know, spirits to have their best afterlife as well. Yes, yes. Because who wants to go through, like, everything we go through in these meat suits? And then, like, we're stuck at our house. Like... <laughs> Let me tell you something, Tracy. I have kind of a wild theory about what ghosts are. Okay, share it. Okay. My theory about ghosts is that we are actually, as spiritual beings or as consciousness, very multidimensional. And that ghosts are not the totality of who we are, even if we leave a ghost behind when we die. There's also the more core part of us that always goes back to the other side. Yes. I believe that as well. Like there is the spirit and the soul. Yes. And even multiple of that, right? It's sort of like the way, and, I, and I've and i recently gotten some more education around trauma. I do have a degree in psychology, a bachelor's in psychology, and I recently got certified in somatic trauma therapy. Um, but I'm not a therapist, but just to learn about it in my work and be able to address people's trauma in trauma-informed ways. Um, and... You know, the way trauma is very often talked about and contextualized is there's like a part of ourselves that gets frozen in time and it lives the same experience over and over and over and over again. And that part of us isn't just like you can talk to that part of you in trauma therapy. That's part of trauma therapy. You literally dialogue with that part of you as if it was a person, as if it was a being, as if it was you in that time, in that experience. And that you as the self, as the current time self, help to guide that part of you back into current time and reality outside of being stuck in that trauma loop. And I think the exact thing happens with ghosts. Yes. I, I've done a lot of... of, of you know, educating, I'm, I'm not a shaman by any means, but it's a lot of soul retrievals. With yeah. And then in our modern psychology, it's, I was reading in your bio, um, IFS. Yes. Were no bad parts. No bad parts. No bad parts. Um, that we all are, it's about reintegrating. And I do believe that, that like, it's a, you know, a spirit is not the whole of that entire person. It's a part that's there for whatever purpose or reason. It's not the entirety of it. Yeah. So I say there's probably lots of parts of lots of people running, running around. I get, I get phone calls all the time from people like, I'm going to buy this house. Is it haunted? Is there yeah. a land? Has anybody died on it? And I'm like, well, considering how old the earth is, yeah. Somebody, yeah, there's somebody, been a lot of death on that land. Yeah, Dirt is made out of dead things, so probably. <laughs> something has died on that land, or and something has happened. A battle has happened. Something has happened near or around whatever property you live on at some point in time. Is it, but is it active? That's the thing, right? It doesn't have to be pristine. Is it active, right? Is it still ongoing? Is it a, still a site of trauma? Or is it a place where something happened? There's differences, right? Exactly. And so that's, I, I educate a lot of when we go on site and do things like that about like, you can't really, you know, you, I, I tell people it's a numbers game and we're seriously outnumbered. That's oh, yes. Oh, time. yes. Do a two to one ratio. That's yes. We're like, so we all have to learn how to work together and we all have to be as one. Yes. 
Um, I, you know, I, I have not, you know, found, come across anything that has been, you know, um, so much like, oh, I'm not going down there. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go talk to that. Um, now there are things that I've been like, I'm not going down there because it's physically dangerous down there. Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, uh-uh. but I like to say it's, it's not the dead I'm scared of this life. I say that all the time. I say, listen, I ain't afraid, I ain't afraid of no ghost. I ain't afraid of no ghost. I'm like, I will watch all of the horror movies that have to do with ghosts, demons, supernatural, all of that. That does not scare me nearly as much as reality. Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm scared of politicians, okay? Yeah, I'm way more scared of all of that. I, you're right. You're like, I'm not scared of the ghost down there. I'm scared of the fact that these stairs are not going to hold my weight if I try to go down into this basement. That's something to be worthy to be afraid of, right? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, the fact is, is like maybe they just want to live down there and we just need to figure out how to cohabitate together and and they don't have to go anywhere and you don't have to go anywhere. Also the case. Sometimes my question is, why do you need to go down there? Like, what is, like... What is what is your business down there? And just because something is scary, and I find this a lot, you know, we were talking before we uh, started the podcast, we were talking a little bit about uh, the absolute explosion of interest in paranormal, in paranormal investigations, in the industry around paranormal and paranormal investigations. And with all of that, one of the things that I noticed that I would like to see shift in all of that is that just because something is scary doesn't mean it's evil. And that there are more categories in the world and in life and in the universe besides good and evil. Right? A hundred percent. That is exactly why, a huge reason why I started this, this show and podcast is because, like, I understand if it bleeds, it leads. I get that. I get that from a marketing and from a headline stand. Sure, yeah. But, you know, you can have, you know, um, but it doesn't always have to be so, like, you're not going to be able to sleep at night. Like, there are, nothing in the spirit world has scared me more than things I've seen in the physical world. I agree. Right. And I've, and I consider myself a bit of a psychic adventurer, right? Like, I'm like, well, let's see what happens. Let's see. this idea let's throw some spaghetti at the wall and see if it works yeah exactly and i've tried a lot of things and it's true i have found i have found it way more dangerous uh with the with the fleshies than the non-fleshies yeah (laughs) fleshies are involved yeah (laughs) yeah um because and that's you know a part of the reason why this podcast is so important because i you know both me and you we come across people a lot with you know religious backgrounds or whatever backgrounds that they grew up in that makes them very 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 fearful of of anything that could go bump in the night you know, I made a TikTok a long time ago. It was like, that night might not be a ghost. It could be your drunk neighbor falling. Like, yeah. <laughs> could be. It could be. You know, like, you, I, I always say, you know, try to look at, like, debunking it first before you go to something that is automatically, oh, my God, that's evil. 
and it wants to hurt you and it's going to try and kill you. Now, have I come across spirits who like throw things and they're angry and they Oh yes. Oh yeah, because that is a part of the human that was tortured or scared or violent, you know, whatever part of that person still remains, whatever, you know, uh, uh, I don't even know what to call it. That part that is still here in the physical. Yeah. Part. Yeah. Um the stuck part, right? The traumatized part. The traumatized part. And it, it it's about learning how to communicate with that traumatized parts of people. And I tell people all the time, sometimes they'll talk to me, sometimes they won't. Yeah. Maybe a white woman was a part of their trauma. And yeah. White women. That could be it. That could easily be it. Somebody else that they trust. No matter yeah. what, you know, I can be the kindest, most nicest person in the world. But if they're like, oh, no, you look like my torturer, they're not going to talk. I mean, that's a huge part of it. And um, I mean, how much changes, too, especially if you are, I mean, just to make it relatable, just imagine yourself being even in a bad mood and not wanting to talk to anybody. And then somebody assumes because you're in a bad mood that that means you're evil and they start treating you as evil then, like, I don't know, maybe I'd start throwing things, too. Like, fine, I'm the villain. Okay, I'm the villain, right? So, <laughs> right, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and for the record, I've never known a ghost to have good aim with throwing things either, so I'm not really scared of that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've never really, yeah. Um, I, I did, however, um, one of the freakiest, earliest things that happened to me, I was in London, and I was in this place called The Clink, Oh, that doesn't sound good anyway, but okay, yeah. <laughs> it's not, and it was, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to do some research on it, but it was either one of the oldest or one of the first, like, prisons. Like, okay. Like, like actual prisons that they had. Yeah, yeah. It was creepy because they were showing, like, older torture devices that they used to put people in and, like, just crazy yeah. And I was walking around there, and I had this, like, huge kind of, like, mid-thigh length, um, puffy coat on and I felt in the middle of my back something else and I was like oh my god and it just like in my mind like I saw somebody who who they were not able-bodied to like get up so it was almost like they had to like crawl to me to be like to do that in my mind and I was like okay And this was early in my development where I was like, I was not going to investigate any further, especially because I knew in that place that I was not going to be, if I opened up really, I was not going to be able to manage what was going to come at me in there. Yeah, that's important to also know, right? I mean, I'm encouraging people to not be afraid of ghosts and classify scary things as evil, but it is important to know that it's just like anything else. You know, you don't want to walk into any unknown, possibly risky situation without boundaries, without awareness, without discernment, without a good sense of yourself, right? Like, it's no different than permission. It's no different than any other kind of interaction, conversation, or relationship, right? And so, you know, you don't want to just dive in head first without, uh, yeah, any awareness or maybe any tools or even any practice and just learning how to really be with yourself and have it yourself and have clear communication. Cause that's what I find over and over again is that like mediumship, psychic work, 
paranormal work is that it all comes down to the same like basic few skills which is communication skills relationship skills how well do you know yourself right like it just comes back down to these things boundaries over and over and over again yeah i tell people all the time i'm like look how do you pick a good psychic medium if you wouldn't bring them to a brunch with your friends and your family they're probably not the one for you you need to pick somebody that you feel has similar similar uh, experiences as you can is relatable um is you know comprehensible <laughs> you can understand what they're saying the information that brings through you know and and also saying like somebody who says like yeah no that's not my forte i need to send you somebody else yeah is anybody who says they can do anything that's a huge red flag just p.s by the way you this says they can do anything yeah, like, have you seen, like, some of these people on TikToks, like, whatever you need, I can do it. I'm doing it for you. No, TikTok is, text, TikTok is my next frontier, and life is moving me towards TikTok in unavoidable ways at this point. Um, so I am loosening up my Torian grip on not wanting to learn this new thing. <laughs> it's, it's definitely fun. I like it. I've, I've found it to be uh, very frightening and educational at one, all at once going, wow, there's a lot of crappy psychic mediums out there. That's been a huge part of my resistance is I'm like, if I join this, am I just going to be part of the noise? Am I just contributing to being part of the noise? No, because as I'm starting up this podcast and you guys, if you want to find us, you can find me at Tracy St. Corey Medium on TikTok. And I'm hoping by the time we broadcast this, that Trace will also have a TikTok as well. And if he does, then he needs to follow me and I'll follow him. And you guys can find us pretty darn easily um, through that link on there. Come watch my videos and like them because I'll need this emotional support. When we're done, I'll give you some, um, I'll give you some tips. On oh, I love it. Um, has been useful and not useful. But it's, you know, you guys, when you're working with, if you think that you have a haunting or you have something in your house, you know, bottom line, don't automatically go to like, oh my God, it's negative. It's, it's going to hurt. Correct. You. It is scaring you. And I get that, but just kind of go like, okay, what, if I was that, what would I be trying to say to somebody? You know, how would I want to be talked to? And go at it gently, and if not, just contact me, and I'll maybe we can get you on an on-site um, investigation, and we can do it properly and see what's going on, and help you have some better communication skills with the spirit world, and help spirits have their best afterlives. And, you know, one of the things I suggest to a lot of people, and this seems really basic, and so you would think that a lot of people would do this, but I found that people, this just is as simple and as practical as it is, it tends to fly out of people's minds when they're scared, but is to really just intentionally pray for what's ever in that house. Call in guides, call in angels, ask for their well-wise loving ancestors to come help them cross over, right? You don't even necessarily need to do all of the triage yourself with that, with that being, with that ghost, right? Like, because it's not even you that's necessarily doing it, at least not on your own. You're calling in, you're, you're helping them to see the path towards their resolution, towards their healing. And sometimes that's not even about what you do. You just help to shine a light on it. So even just praying for them can do it. Yeah, there's, there is so much, and we'll have to dig even deeper 
on that one. But this has been an awesome, and I know we didn't even get to scratch the surface of all of our all of our ghostly stories. You've got more because I, I do to- have a lot more ghostly stories. I, I saw your I saw your list. I have a I have a feeling I'm seeing it now. I'm seeing it now. You're back on the show. I, I'm just oh, I would love to be back on this show. Are you kidding me? Yes. Well. Um, we shall make that happen. And you guys, thanks for liking, reviewing, sharing the podcast everywhere because we are well on our way. You guys support us so that we can support you. And that is what I love. Well, thank you so much for your first time. I'm just going to say first of many. It was my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. That, we will, that we'll be seeing you. All right. We will talk soon. Hold on. Don't. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Haunted Road Trips show, where we share powerful conversations, insights, and exciting site investigations that reveal the paranormal world in a way you've never seen before up until now. Remember to visit our website at www.hauntedroadtripsshow.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Haunted Road Trips show. And remember, paranormal history is dying to be heard.